All right, she's here. Oh, yeah. I've been using a straw this entire time because we're oh, still in oh, the... Oh, that's right. right. <laughs> she, she's holding the wine during this entire podcast. She can't do anything with her hands. So she memorized all of her notes. It is the legendary Ashley Frederick Brubaker. Bru- you say it. Ash- <laughs> Brubaker, like the pub. Yeah, I'm like, I know how to say it. He's not even drunk yet, guys. No, I just can't speak today. It's all good. I like that it's hyphenated too. It's not my legal name. Mm. It's yeah. what I do on Facebook so people knew who oh, I was I when see. I got married. <laughs> so yeah. I love a hyphenated name. It's too long to hyphenate on paperwork, so I didn't hyphenate. <laughs> That's fair. Because it is, it is yeah. long, yeah, it's a longer name. Yep. I love it. Um, yes, Ashley is here. And um, Ashley and I have known each other since 2005. Mm-hmm. And I have known Ashley since 20 minutes ago. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Ashley and I worked at the same company. Yep. And she introduced me to some of my favorite things in the world, like David Sedaris. <laughs> And mm-hmm. we bonded over speech and debate in theater. And theater, yes. Yes. Yeah. And Ashley is a Ravenclaw. Yes, according to the UU Church of Kent, Hogwarts for adults. I. <laughs> what? <still need> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the next time that happens, we'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ashley. Is that an event? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was like, why did a church tell you where you were in Ravenclaw? I, oh, I mean, yeah. Kent does the Potter Fest every year. Yeah. So. Yeah, the UU Church does. Hogwarts for kids a couple of times a year, every year, and then one year for their auction they use for charity. They did Hogwarts for adults, and my husband and I went, and it was a blast. So we got sorted into houses, and we went to classes, and then we had wine and chocolate. And we had dancing, and Dan is also a Ravenclaw. Oh, okay. We both got sorted into Ravenclaw. Science nerd. Yes. (laughs) You do give off major Ravenclaw vibes. Okay. Yeah, so I think it's pretty accurate. Why are Ravenclaw's assholes? I I did not mean that you were an asshole. (laughs) No. You know what? Because I see this with certain really, really smart people. They just don't get that they're an asshole sometimes. Everybody else is not functioning on the same intellectual level as you. And that's okay, but it's just not what they notice. See, this is why. Because we asked Roxanne this question too. (laughs) And Steven. And Steven. Because all these fucking Ravenclaws. Yeah. We love. It's all good. Slytherins don't care. Yeah, Slytherins don't give a shit. And then before we get started, what's your Harry Potter origin story? I think I read the first one my senior year of high school. I want to say up to this book when I was in college is what I finished my freshman year of college. So I was caught up then. That's what would have been out. Yeah. Yeah. When was Order of the Phoenix published? I might have been out of college by the time it was published. Was it... 2005? Okay, that's when I graduated. Mm, so. uh, it might have been sooner than I, that. Okay, but. I don't remember it being out by the time I was in college, yeah. but I could be wrong. I'll have to look. <clears throat> so you read it along with everyone. Yeah. Kind of. Oh. Yeah, and I wasn't one of those hardcore. I enjoy it. I think it's fun, but right. since you guys started your podcast, I was like, I'm going to read along. This sounds fun, and <laughs> I'm enjoying it even more. It's fun to read again, chapter by chapter. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think you are one of the few people, because there are some people who obviously listen, but they are behind on reading, I believe. Okay. Brian. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, as you all know, Ashley is one of the people who consistently send us feedback (laughs) and the fuck, Mary kills and other opinions on things that we said, which is wonderful. So be like Ashley. (laughs) That's right. So today we're discussing chapter 36. And before we do that, real quick, winner, loser, chapter 35 should be pretty easy. The winner of chapter 35 is Dumbledore. The loser of chapter 35 is 
body question here. Why do you sound so sad? Because I was thinking of David Tennant. I know. <laughs> My favorite doctor. Love right? Him. I'm, I'm Love him so much. <laughs> but more so, like, also this whole book, I've just been like, Barty Crouch Jr. is so fucking smart. And then he fucks it up. Nobody's perfect. <laughs> well, you're a murderino, so... <laughs> You know, this is what always happens. Oh, no. Because <laughs> now I just want to like Van Girl. I was this close to wearing my Dad of the Forest thing. And then I saw this and I was like, yeah, that seems about right. But I knew this would happen yeah, and I love like, it so much. continue. All you had to say was murderino. <laughs> I, I, my butt cheeks clenched. <laughs> I've been waiting for this. <laughs> So, Ashley sent me a thing. I printed it out. Do you want Oh, my God. <laughs> Guys, also, this is the first time we have somebody who, like, is responsible on the podcast. Here it is. I have it. <laughs> it took us four whole seasons, but we got there. I've got it. <laughs> this thing is by Ashley. The parting of the ways. Dumbledore is pissed. After everyone learns the truth about the professor formerly known as Moody... The Hogwarts staff actually attempt to do their jobs for five minutes. Harry has to tell Sirius and Dumbledore all about his newest worst moment of his life, having to relive the horror again immediately. This kid has way too many worst moments of his life for someone so well adjusted. Dumbledore explains priori incantatum, and Harry learns that the phoenix feathers in his and Voldemort's wands come from Fox. All of Harry's friends are harassing one of the few people who actually attempts to keep students safe at Hogwarts, and Harry gets a wizard sedative. Fudge fudges things up while Dumbledore is trying to get him to get a move on this shitstorm to come. Snape is finally useful in a chapter for once, and shows everyone his dark mark. Fudge plops a bag of gold next to Harry at possibly the worst time, and goes off to keep doing an even shittier job of being Minister of Magic than he had been doing before. Dumbledore continues to try to get everyone's shit together, makes Snuffles the dog reveal his true identity as Sirius, and just barely prevents Snape and Sirius from getting into a dick measuring contest. How many times can we say wrong place, wrong time, guys? Mrs. Weasley yet again steps up to be a mom to Harry, something he has no memory of anyone ever doing for him. Insert 800 sobbing faces here. Hermione is loud but weirdly sneaky at the same time, and Harry finally finishes the sleeping potion and temporarily bursts into oblivion. That is indeed what happens in this chapter. <laughs> Especially the dick measuring. Happens. Well, yeah, so first and foremost, there is no wrong place or time for dick measuring. <laughs> Unless it involves Snape, then yeah. Hey, at least it didn't involve Fudge, but uh, they would be like, is that a scab? He's the worst. He has the tiniest dick energy For of real. us all. <laughs> Including Skinny Dick? Mm. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm going to give Skinny Dick the win there. I mean, his dick may be skinny, but it is very, very mighty. <laughs> Compared to Fudge? We hate Fudge. The person. The person. We love the Fudge. I like the Fudge, fudge dude. The item. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Fudge is delicious. Sponsor us, Fudge. <laughs> <laughs> but before we get to that garbage person, it starts off, of course, with Harry recounting everything that just happened and shows just how traumatic all of this was. He remembers Cedric dying and he mentions the Death Eaters apparating between graves and another thing that he brings up is Skinny Dick hunched over with his arm chopped off. It just shows the gravity once again of like, this is everything that this kid experienced in the past 
hour. Yeah, and he's got to relive it immediately. Yeah, this whole chapter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this whole chapter is rough. Yeah. What I really love, though, at the beginning of this chapter is Dumbledore is such a problematic character, but at the same time, like, he's such a fucking rock star yeah. in his last yeah. couple chapters. Everyone knows it. Mm-hmm. You know, well, except for Fudge. Even, I think Fudge even knows it. Well, but he knows he's it, but he's, a, he's an yeah. asshole. So. Yeah, but like, complete denial. But, yeah. like, Snape, I don't want to use too positive of a word, but Snape <laughs> is not bad, and he just immediately follows Dumbledore's orders. Mm-hmm. You know, McGonagall immediately follows Dumbledore's orders. I'm sure that Flitwick is off doing something fucking awesome. Flitwick's <laughs> great. And we know that Sprout is handling yes. the sad parents, yes. which is also terrible. And she's got to do the HR rep stuff. She's, you know? she's, got, she's got a tough job. Yeah. yeah. But like everyone else is kicking ass here. Dumbledore has been ready for this mm-hmm. and everyone can sense it. And I mm-hmm. just really appreciate that. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of this chapter. Yeah, one of my next things was the confirmation of what we talked about in one of our recent episodes. We're like, Flitwick's got the crowd under control. Sprout is handling the diggeries, which exactly, that's what happens yeah. here. I do want to talk about Snape really, really quick. Yeah. Because there's like that moment where he obviously is trying to reason with Fudge. When it's Snape trying to reason with Fudge, yeah, you know. you know it's bad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And he's very to the point and matter of fact. We see that with Snape throughout the entire series. And oftentimes it's also just really bad dick energy. <laughs> Everything in this chapter is about dick yeah. energy. Not big dick energy or anything like that. He's just, just dick energy. Just it's dick literally energy. just Levels dick energy. Levels of dick energy. Here we are. Yes. First and foremost, his personality being this kind of like grating, dismal presence makes a lot of sense. And you really, really see it here. Because he's not bad at all in this chapter. No. It's just... No, he finally has a positive presence. Yeah. yeah. I was thinking about this during this reread that I don't think I ever thought of this before. I'm constantly shitting on Snape because he's terrible. But at the same time, this is the book where Snape has to go from just being a dick who has promised to keep Harry alive, but the last couple years have been fraught, but they've not been this. Now you have to be firing on all fronts here. It's not just keeping Harry safe. Now you have to go back up against Voldemort. And what is coming for him is actually very fascinating. And this is the catalyst right here. And I'm like, oh, fuck, that's mm-hmm. what's happening. Yeah. Is that moment where at the end of this, Snape is literally going to see Voldemort. I think that summarizes this whole book, though. I feel yeah. like this is the book where things just switch. <clears throat> There's just something that makes it go, oh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to grow up now. Yeah. 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 Even like genre focus mm-hmm. and everything like that. But yeah, I agree that same thing with Snape. We always knew that he remains an asshole forever but <laughs> yeah once an asshole always an asshole <laughs> T- tara has thoughts on that no, well has tara shared with you that i also think snape has never processed being deprogrammed from the cult of dark wizards oh so that actually kind of supports like what i'm saying yeah. yeah every time you say something i'm like well i've read two books on cults now so i'm an expert and he needs to be deprogrammed and never process that with a therapist i mean i think that's completely fair and and as much as i shit on snape as we get into the second half of this i still think he's an ass but it becomes easier to understand mm-hmm, yeah. his trajectory yeah. yep. Your presence here does not bother me at all, and yeah. that's a good step for me, though. Yeah, yeah. He's a good ass. Yeah, he's good. Are you a good ass or a bad ass? <laughs> I'm always. I'm a, a bad, bad ass. <laughs> <laughs> I felt your ass. You're also a good ass. Tara is the yin yang of ass. <laughs> she has a wavy butt crack. <laughs> Where were we? Um, no. 
not very far into this. No. So yeah, Harry has to talk about all this terrible shit yeah. that happened to him. Yeah. Can I just say I love how he asks how the diggeries are. Yes. He's always thinking about he somebody does, else first. When when he finally gets to go to the hospital wing, first thing he does is ask about is Moody, Moody gonna be is okay? He okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because Harry's actually a Hufflepuff. Yeah. <laughs> More Support of my Harry's a Hufflepuff theory. Um, I do want to talk about Dumbledore too. We've been talking about in the last few episodes, including the 100th, about Dumbledore being a garbage human. However, he gives some good mindfulness advice here. And I think it does come off as endearing about numbing the pain. Not numbing the pain. I think that that is oftentimes people's like first reaction. That they want to like push the emotions to the side, mm-hmm. but confronting the emotions are a good way to move past them. Timing wise, not great. Because <laughs> it really just happened. Timing! But, but he does kind of offer that advice to Harry mm-hmm. in order to get him to reveal this information. And I think, yes, poor timing, but because things have just happened and people need to react quickly, yes. it also makes sense. Yes. I agree. So I will say, even though he has other motives for this, that is fairly good advice. (laughs) As Harry is remembering everything that happened and and telling everybody about that, there is a brief moment where there is triumph in Dumbledore's eyes about Lily's protection in Voldemort. And that's also, I think, when Sirius shrieks in pleasure? (laughs) Pleasure isn't the right word. Dumbledore passes it off as like, oh, well, sounds like Voldemort got past that obstacle when truly the fact that he used Harry's blood is gonna bite him in the ass later. I mean, that's the same thing in the first book with the unicorn blood. That Mm -hmm. bites him in the ass. It wasn't a pure way of getting it. He's a bad guy, so we expect. Yeah. (laughs) Right? What are you supposed to do if he's the bad guy? Yeah. He's like, pure shit. Go make an order at your local blood bank. I need blood, please. Hey, Dracula. <laughs> I mean, he needs it. He needs blood of a foe. Everybody hates Voldemort. That's true. He could be like, who is this from? Oh, it's from that bitch, Not. That was his name, right? The old motherfucker? In the um, this is from Not. Oh, I can't take that blood. <laughs> <laughs> nope, not good enough. Uh, in fact, it's too bad. Because he needs an enemy's blood. That's true. For the potion to work. Yeah. So there was that, but then Sirius is there and he like, he like shrieks. Not Shriek is the wrong word. He gasps and clutches his purse. <laughs> he really does. He's very reactive to this in an interesting way. I like Sirius a lot and I understand the connection that Harry feels with him and just how quickly he attaches himself even to yeah. Sirius. And obviously how quickly Sirius attaches himself to Harry. I mean, I don't know. Had he done this in front of Mrs. Weasley, she probably would have done the same thing. Yeah. Oh. Mm. You oh. Know, you I think she would have done it more. Yeah. I, and I and McGonagall of... would have done the same thing, <laughs> yeah. I think. I have but... lots of thoughts on Mrs. Weasley. She does not get the appreciation she deserves. We'll That's get to right. that. <laughs> That's right. We're going to pop up about oh, Quinn. Oh, yeah. <laughs> there are a lot of Quins in this chapter, too. <laughs> But yeah, Sirius totally clutched in the pearls. And he's like breathing heavily and stuff as it's <laughs> happening. I don't think that it's really helpful for Harry. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so either. It feels weird coming from Sirius, I think. Yes, perhaps it shows how loyal he was to Lily and James too. It did feel distracting. All of a sudden, Sirius Black is getting very, very emotional. <laughs> right, yeah. And Harry's like, I just need to get this out, please. Stop. He's just been away in a cave for so long. He yeah. doesn't know how to react anymore. It's, I mean, it, you know. listen, it's just like all of us in quarantine. We don't know how to react. We're all serious black. <laughs> and then the priory incantate. Ugh, 
I knew it. <laughs> when you said Ian Cantatum, I was like, later, please do not say it like Tatum O'Neill. <laughs> Fire Ian Cantatum. And then learning about that it's Fox Feather in both of their wands and stuff. Which, that's also kind of interesting. And like, right after he buys the wands, Ollivander gets out his iPhone and he's like, yo, Dumble, guess what? I just sold the other feather and you'll never guess who got it. <laughs> yep, that's exactly how that It's went. Wonder Boy. <laughs> And I was like, oh my god, oh no, you didn't, baby. <laughs> my theory on that is that that wand chose Harry because of his connection to Voldemort. Mm. But why did Voldemort's wand choose him? Like, why did Tom Riddle's wand mm. choose him in that situation? I never the, thought of that. With Fox Feather in it. Yeah. Like, that connection is it because he was, like, destined to do great and terrible things. Yeah. And <laughs> Dumbledore is known as the most powerful wizard of their time. Or is it something about being, like, attracted to the phoenix feather? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, because then it comes with a partnered wand, you know? Yeah. I'm assuming that, like, a unicorn hair or something. Unicorn's yeah, got lots of hairs. Those are the only, the only two only feathers two. that have ever been dropped from Fox, right? Yeah. Oh. I think it's the only two ever. Why does a wand choose a particular person anyways? Creating the wand lore is fascinating. But why Fox... Who is Dumbledore's companion because Fox is not a pet, let's be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Fox is the greatest. Fox is a quen. Yeah. <laughs> I have, so, so this is not exactly related at all, but when Fox goes over to Harry and just like comforts him, I've had cats that do that for me a lot. So me I'm too. like, Fox is basically a cat, but a bird. So <laughs> kind of. When I've had a lot of difficult moments, I've mm-hmm. had certain cats that they just know they, they can curl up energy. with me and like, when I went into labor with my son, my cat curled up on my chest that day. And she's affectionate, but she's not usually like that. Mm. So it was like, they know something's going on. And Fox is just like that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And in fact, you know, that ties back to what Tara was saying, because my thought is that a wand picks somebody based on, like, the energy that they're gaming off. Like, cue the witchy music, I guess. <laughs> We already named one of our previous episodes the properties of the woods. But <laughs> there is properties to all of these things, all of the elements that go into the wands that probably match up well with the energy of the person. So maybe that's what it was. Now, probably. Okay. where does that come in? Like maybe they're like, oh, you feared Dumbledore and you're going to be an asshole in the future? <laughs> Here, have a wand with his phoenix's feather in it. <laughs> something like that. It's very similar because it's that whole thing too where the cats can tell and they can mm-hmm. read that energy just like fox yep. can too so yeah it, i think that was actually a really way to tie it back yeah. so again don't hate serious but him asking all the questions is literally just prolonging harry having to go through it yeah <laughs> and yeah. i'm like serious it's like he was a teenager when he went into jail and he still is because he hasn't learned any social cues or something. there is some part of the narration where um, it's basically like harry's glad that Sirius had, you know, mm-hmm. but this was when Harry went quiet and he was like, he was glad when Sirius broke the silence. Yeah, let's just let Harry get through this shit. Come on. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> then they talk about what that actually is. Yeah. And seeing Cedric, Frank, and then Bertha, Frank. And his mother and his father. Mm-hmm. And then Sirius jumping in there is when I'm like, oh no. <laughs> you know, Social cues. Right. Harry like trails off or whatever. Oh no, this is when Dumbledore is explaining what that is mm-hmm. and then Dumbledore suggests all of this and then that's when Sirius jumps in. Oh, you mean Diggory <laughs> came back? 
Shut the fuck up, Sirius. <laughs> this literally just happened. He's not. <laughs> let Dumbledore explain this shit. You're not here to be like a scholar. Right? Dog boy. You're here to offer support to Harry. Right? And be there for Harry. Turn back into a dog. <laughs> Come on. That way you won't be speaking anymore. Right? And then you can just be comforting big fluffy dog. Yeah. yeah. He'd be comforted by a big fluffy dog and a very hot bird. <laughs> Honestly the best. Yeah. Sounds good to so, me. Yeah. Harry's like, I'm after down. everything I'm I've been through, a dog and a bird, yeah. fine. So, but that part is really, really hard to read. This is about where I was like, and there are tears coming right now. I had my emotions removed a long time ago. So. <laughs> we know. Yeah. And then Fox Sorry, heals just... Harry in an adorable. He's yeah. like, oh, your leg hurts? Let yeah. me help again. Right? Here's a Quen. Well, speaking of Quens, another Quen comes in. Person like, where the fuck is Harry? Right. To another Quen, Pom Pom. <laughs> It's Who's like the meanings so of the Quens. Underrated. <laughs> and she's like, excuse me, Molly. The most underrated Reading character in, in the series, I think, is Madame Humphrey. <laughs> I can see that. Does anyone ever thank her? Probably Harry, because he's a fucking helpful. Because he's there all the time. And he's there all the time. He's like, I <laughs> might as well say thank you. Oh, you're <laughs> back. Nice to see you again. <laughs> what the fuck did you do this time? <laughs> but she's really handling all these people really well. Like, I love it in the third book where she's like, can everyone just leave this fucking place? I'm trying to do my job. Mm. Here she's like, this is, I guess, my life. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's so resigned to the bullshit that Dumbledore puts her through. She's is like, she the you're... only person who does that? They think need so. more nurses there. Like, uh, yeah, Therapists. Yeah. <laughs> Therapists. <laughs> we mentioned it earlier. Oh, <laughs> Where the fuck is they the school therapy. counselor? Yeah. <laughs> you know Madame Pomfrey ain't getting paid enough for that shit. I know. You know what I can see them happening, though? This just occurred to me. They're like, oh, we need a therapist. You know, we traumatize these kids way too much. Mm, you know what's not important anymore? Divination. Let's make Trelawney the therapist because she looks like one. <laughs> and they're just like, you would fit for the job. You look like a therapist. And then, of course, just like every person who's hired at this school, with some exceptions, of course, like McGonagall and Sprout and Flitwick. She is terrible at her job. I feel like that is something that would happen. See, I feel like they would just be like, you know who doesn't have enough to do? Madam Bill? Madam Bill? Oh. Madam yeah. She can be the oh, Yeah, gosh. and the entire time, <laughs> people come into her office and she's like filing her nails and like popping Taking a bubble. Nap. Yeah. Did you hear that, Madam Hooch? And then she's just snoring. Right? I like imagine Madam Hooch kind of turns into Jane Lynch's character from Glee. What was her name? That is exactly Sue it. Sylvester. Okay. Yeah. That is perfect. Perfect. You know, Jay Lynch saw the first Harry Potter movie and was like, I mean, if this were not a British movie, that would have been me. I can see like an SNL skit now of them being like, we need a therapist. Who should we hire? We should hire from within. They go through Chelani. They go through Madame Hooch. They go through Snape because obviously. Literally, and it falls on Madame Pomfrey at the end yeah. because that's how it like, would go. Snape didn't get the data, Professor. The data. Yet again, let's make him the therapist. <laughs> You know, if he needs to prescribe anything to the students. Oh, he's, yeah, he's got the stores for it. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Well, Snape's not threatening to poison them. Exactly. Yeah, Snape's skills yeah. are exactly. underutilized, clearly. <laughs> Do you think that he knows the recipe for, like, Lexapro? Yeah. <laughs> I think he invented the recipe for Lexapro. <laughs> Lexapro is magical. <laughs> this is where you say sponsor us. Sponsor us! Oh my god! Oh my god, sponsor us! <laughs> There is a theme of healing in this chapter. This realization that 
the world is going to have to heal a little bit. And they they even say at one point it might be in the next chapter. Something about like there's a lot of work to be done. Or it mm. might be in the movie. Something like that. But also there is just this healing theme. It's good that Pomfrey is someone to bring up because she's the healing queen. Then when Molly does come in, being like, she's where the fuck is mom. my baby? She's such a mom. Yes. Yeah. I do appreciate that Dumbledore's like, I know you want a mom right now. We've got to get through this this way. And he just handles it in a way that I'm not, like, mad at him for. But she's such a mom because it's like, oh, Harry. And then everyone, she be quiet. She's just as bad as everybody else. Oh, my God, right? But (laughs) it's like, it's such a mom thing to do. Right? So then he's like, Harry needs rest. And she's like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Also, what I got from this is that the situation is so overwhelming and she wants to be a positive force there. Mm -hmm. But it's this force that Harry cannot be over open to receive because he's so overwhelmed too if that makes sense which is tough like that's a really tough place to be because he's so numb palm freak then comes in and is like i'll medicate you have this <laughs> sleeping potion right. and i want this sleeping potion for real very bad <laughs> i am a light sleeper and this sounds wonderful dreamless sleep where you can just like cast the fuck out <clears throat> clearly didn't drink very much of it because he wakes up it hit him too away. fast he yeah. must be a lightweight yeah, he, must like, be he really must be. It's he not, must be. He's a small like child. IV where you take the whole thing and you don't know it. He has to drink it, and it just he didn't get oh, it down in well, time. And he's him? also just actually exhausted. Yeah, that too. Emotionally, mentally, physically, Ooh. he probably didn't actually need that. He just needed the dreamless part. Yeah. Of it. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, can you also blame him about being a lightweight? Because every time he's had a chance to go to Hogsmeade to get like fucked up on butterbeer, <laughs> something's happening. <laughs> There's trouble afoot. That's true. <laughs> Or, you know, he's not allowed to be there anyway. Yeah, Yeah, precisely. So he has to, like, sneak there and yada, blah, blah, blah. So he falls asleep and he wakes up to Fudge. McGonagall are having a fucking shouting match and I'm sad that it just doesn't happen in the movie. Yeah. (laughs) I wanted that so bad. Get him, McGonagall. What I have written is Fudge is such a fuck. Proud, stupid, not willing to address reality. During this whole rant, it's not a rant. It's him not accepting what is happening. Oh, Lucius Malfoy could never be a Death Eater. Oh, yeah, all of that. He donates money. money. You clearly just admitted to being bribed. Yeah. And then one of the other things was, he says something about like, that's insane. I would never do that because people would vote me out of office. Yeah, he's so fucking he's blatant about Typical it. politician. Yeah. Well, and he's like, coming into the hospital wing like this. He calls McGonagall, my dear woman. Oh, oh yeah. no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. And she's no, like, no. she's like, I'm not allowed to murder him. Yeah. This is the worst. <laughs> you do not call McGonagall, my dear woman. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> you know what would be worse? If he had one of those lopsided haircuts and he called her sweetie. <laughs> She would end him. Carinelius Fudge. <laughs> it's sort of work. And then he even says the thing about Dumbledore's like, my recommendation is go make good with the giants. And he's yeah. racist about it. Yeah. He is on he's this. He's on this. And Fudge is like, oh no, this must be a plot against me. What the fuck? It's just such a proud, Trumpy. Yeah, I was, so as soon as you said that, I was like, Sounds like someone we've had to deal with. It's the root of this too is important because they're having a shouting match. Fudge was like, "Oh no, Darth Vader!" Yeah. And so he brings a sheet with a hole, or what? What were they called? Soul sucking horror. I don't remember, but whatever I think you want to call them, a soul sucking horror. Those things. Yes. Those things. He brings one with him because it's like, I don't want this Darth Vader to. I don't know. Do what he does. <laughs> right? I'm, I'm, what would that I'm, not, I'm not a good enough wizard to defend myself. <laughs> That's right. Fuck that guy. Fudge is now Colonel Sanders. <laughs> Apparently. 
So the sheets with the hogos in is like, ooh, I smell something delicious. And he <laughs> this kills. This smells great. It's mine now. And he's like, it was crazy. It's okay. And it's like, you fuck. He can't give a testimony. Now we can't like learn about, well, he just killed those people because it's crazy. No, bitch. Voldemort's back, and then it goes in this thing with, like, you're crazy, blah, blah, blah. Oh my god, it's so ridiculous. Yep. I just love how McGonagall is beyond furious about this. And even Snape is like, this is what happened, and he's clearly controlling himself because he knows he <laughs> is not in a place where he can lose his shit. Man, can and you then, imagine, though, if those right. two teamed up in this moment to, like, take Fudge now? <laughs> that would be great. And then Snape's like, by the way, here's my fucking dark mark, you asshole. Like, I fucking hate you. <laughs> yeah. literally in the book. Like yeah. <laughs> He's like, oh yeah? Oh yeah? You don't believe Voldemort's back? Check this out, bitch. <laughs> Why do you think Igor left? All of that. He's not a loss. It's fine. <laughs> yes. And like you said, I can't remember if we got this on putting it up. Maybe it was before we started. But you, Ashley, said something like when you were reading this, like, oh my gosh, this is where like Pink Lady comes in. It's one sentence where he says, I will contact you to talk about the running of this school. And oh, now that I've read the fifth one at least twice, now I realize what's coming. Yeah. It's like foreshadowing. Oh. Yeah. It's just, there's a lot of just one sentences mm-hmm. here and there that I'm like, oh man, that's big when you get to Oh that. yeah. 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 They should have castrated Fudge right here and then you know, had <laughs> to real. You have to be able to do that easily, like as a wizard. Well, <laughs> that's true. Although we did already like establish that his dick is the size of the sky. Yeah. That's right. So yes. his balls so... are probably really small too. They didn't descend. They didn't. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't at all. They didn't even grow. The best thing that you can do is just take an ice cream scoop and take out that entire like chunk. And hopefully you get it. Hopefully that ice cream scoop is rusty. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Give that bitch tetanus. Pomfrey is like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to help you. Like, uh, oh, I can a- only treat magical ailments. <laughs> Tetanus, I don't know what that is. <laughs> oh, and also Fudge is like, are you prepared to take Harry's word on this? Like, the way he comes for a child. Uh, I fucking yeah. hate that. I'm like, and the entire series up to now, he's been pretty good to Harry. You he's know? totally he's pro like, Harry. Yeah. yeah now <laughs> this is where Harry says, you know, he's always been bumbling, but he's he's been nice to me. And mm. all of a sudden, oh, I've read this gossip lady and now I don't believe a word right. he says. It's literally <laughs> just all about the possibility of his position of mm. power crumbling underneath him. Yeah. Gross. What a <laughs> terrible fucking human. It's interesting to see the comparisons of Bertie Crouch Sr. and Cornelius Fudge. Both political figures who will do anything to retain their power. Yeah. And it's fascinating because they were saying earlier in the book, Crouch was who people wanted for a minister. I'm like, I wonder what he would have been like in this situation. I think he would have believed Dumbledore, but it would have been a really, really difficult thing for him. Mm-hmm. And he probably would have butted heads with Dumbledore on how to handle it. Yes. Yeah. I agree. He's not an idiot. He's just an extremist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like you said in your thing, he's like, here's your money, bitch. I need to go. Yeah. Clunk. Peace out. Right? Mm-hmm. Really? Come yeah. on. <laughs> I need to go, uh... Not be here anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to try to say something funny, like, I'm stressed. I need to go. What would Fudge do? What would Fudge do if he was stressed out? For some reason, I'm like, I need to go get, like, an acrylic manicure. I was just thinking, go get a manicure. <laughs> what, what if? I don't know what why. If, what if? Can you imagine the next book? Well, 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 Dumbledore, click. And he's doing this. I didn't like what you said, so here's a pink bitch. 
<laughs> and then um, sashes in. And that's what he does. He's like, I'm going to go get my acrylic manicure. Here's your money. <laughs> Dumble's like, well, now that the asshole left the room, now we have to be like, okay, here's all the good people. Yeah. And he's like, become a human. And Molly's like, serious black! <laughs> and then Ron's like, mom, it's okay. <laughs> I really love Ron and Hermione in this moment because they're there. Other than Hermione's thing at the end where yeah. she's being loud and then we find out what that's about. Yeah. It's wonderful that they're there and they're not really pushing themselves into the conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's just because of the personnel in the room, which is why Ron isn't making things about himself. Or maybe, like, this is actually scary and yeah. Ron does love his best friend and whatever. And it was like, this is a good moment for Ron when he's silent. <laughs> Defending serious. You know like, that TikTok trend of like, oh, there's nothing going through your head. Like, do you ever look at your dog or your cat and you think there's not a single thought in your head? That's Ron. <laughs> but I do almost wonder if he realizes like, oh, when push comes to shove. I mean, you know me. Eventually, at the end of the day, I really want to give Ron a benefit of the doubt. I think that this is probably a lot of Ron taking in what's going on. Probably a lot of Ron realizing where his family falls in all of this. A lot of Ron realizing how serious things are going to get. He, like, jumps at the chance to be like, no, mom, it's okay. When Sirius is there because he was very involved in that. I guess probably a realization for him. Sirius Black is known to everyone as a mass murderer. I know the truth, too. And my mom's going to know the truth. This is all going to be so different. I think when we were watching the movie, just how we were like, it's weird that Hermione says that. It would have been a great thing for Ron to say yeah. since we're keeping yeah. that shit scene anyway. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. For me, I just, I overall really appreciate the two of them being how they should be in that scene. The other thing, speaking of those two, Hermione, she's at the windowsill and she's like, grab something and they're like, what's you doing? She's like, nothing. nothing. I'm sorry, I'm not going to be loud. <laughs> and it's really, like, here. Hermione is just very aware. When we went to Italy with the Chamber Singers of Walsh, we had a few students in the group who had done an abroad semester who were just like in a completely different place as the rest of us. So we're all being touristy and like looking around or whatever. Ryan and Alyssa are like watching for the people who would take advantage of college students or whatever. <laughs> and like, I feel like they were just taking in the whole scene both of them, that's the kind of thing that Hermione is always doing. And she just witnessed the fucking Minister of Magic go off his rails. And she knows what's going on with Rita or she's figuring it out. And she's probably got her senses going. There's no way Rita would miss this opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. This bitch gonna be here somewhere and I'm gonna find her. And she does. Yes. If only she were like, nothing, squish. <laughs> That's what should have happened. And then Hermione is a murderer and we're fine with But it. nobody knows about it. because Right? She, was, she doesn't need to tell anyone. Hey, whatever happened to that Rita bitch? Mm-hmm. Nobody knows. <laughs> Isn't it funny, like, at the beginning of this, I was like, I'm going to give Rita the benefit of the doubt, because she's a Slytherin, and she looks kind of classy, and I'm like, kill that fucking K-word! You're like, I mean, I love Miranda Richardson, but fuck her. Oh, seriously. Um, Speaking of seriously, and then Sirius and Snape, Dumbledore forces them to circle jerk. He's like, you know what's coming, guys. Just take care of it. Shake hands! And they're like... How do I well, explain like, that to the listeners? Yeah. You're yeah. like, really, guys? Yeah. But secretly, they kind of like caress each other. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I thought you were dead. Oh my god, I knew you were dead, actually, because I, I knew you were around last night. I just knew it. I'm so glad you're back. <laughs> we have to talk about Molly. 
It's this one paragraph. I mean, it was early when you guys were recording this that I sent Sarah a text and I'm like, could I please be a guest because of this one paragraph? Because <laughs> it just broke Is me. this why you chose this chapter? Yes. I love it. Oh my God, <laughs> I mean, please go on. So it really spoke to me because Mrs. Weasley is such a mom. And it's that one paragraph at the end where she hugs Harry. That's the one thing he needs. Mm -hmm. He has never gotten that in his entire life. And why it really hit me is my son was an infant at the time. He's two and a half now. He cries every day. He needs a hug every day. And I was like, Harry was 15 months old. He has no memory of being with his parents. The Dursleys never hugged him. They never took care of him emotionally like that. It stuck out so much because I'm like, I have to hug my two and a half year old multiple times a day. He needs it. He cries for it. He wanted to hug and it may be something stupid or like he fell and hurt his head. But it stuck out especially because I had a very difficult path to parenthood. Tara knows all about it. And it's not an uncommon story. A lot of people go through it, but I went through several pregnancy losses mm. and IVF. So the fact that like I for so long desperately wanted a child and then this kid is existing with no one to do that for him and mrs weasley has seven kids that she's already taking care of and a house and all of this and she still steps up for this one kid and that just hit me so hard first mom that we had in the podcast right yes like, not first that, parent but no children. but first mom and i think that is a very good perspective to have because i mean we aren't parents by any means <laughs> I don't have a parenting bone in the body. You might have more of a parenting bone in your body. It's such a valuable thing because that does pop out so severely. Mm -hmm. But then to even like go deeper and really think about what that means is, is really special. Yeah. Well, and on top of that, I do want to discuss, you refer to her as the author. We don't use her name anymore. <laughs> yeah, fuck that bitch. She has many faults. I am not excusing them. But when she started writing these, she was devastated by the death of her own mother who was only 45 when she died. Mm -hmm. And I feel that so much in this book. It's the one sentence he had no memory of ever being hugged like this as though by a mother. And I feel how much she's grieving her mother. So for all her faults, I don't want someone to grieve and hurt like that. Oh yeah, yeah. her grief is still valid. Yes. Yeah. It's sad. And she put all of that, just to me, in that one sentence right there. Just from the standpoint of a human being. All of us. I mean, neither of you are as physically affectionate as I am, I think. Like, you don't hug. I mean, I think I'm the only person this guy will hug. You know, but like, it was a hard year of not being able to hug people. Mm -hmm. And both of you knew Ingi. You've known Ingi longer yes. than I have. And, and she was a hugger. And Ingi was a hugger. And the, it still hurts me when I think about... The fact that the pandemic would have killed her. Yes. Yeah. Not being able to physically share her affection with mm -hmm. other people would have literally been worse than how she ended up passing away. And like, it's heartbreaking because yeah. when you think of a child, and again, as a person who is a hugger and has felt very sad about not being able to be around the people that I love and have a lot of hugs just in general, like that is such a healing thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, and he's had hugs since he's come to Hogwarts. Like, Hagrid is clearly the king of hugs. <laughs> and we Who wouldn't want to hug that? Come right? on, you know? And there's no way his hugs are not the fucking best, yeah. you know? <laughs> the whole idea of a child not having hugs. Yes. Not having an opportunity for hugs. Not having anyone who ever comforted him. Yeah. 
ever. And he, in well, his and memory, I shouldn't say. And that's part of why he had to grow up so quickly, mm-hmm. is like forcing himself to be okay with not getting the things that you need. As someone who now has a small human that needs like, lots and lots of affection, I can't imagine him never ever getting that. I have hugged that small human. Yes. And I love him. (laughs) He is very cute. I mean, it's probably the last quiet, sweet moment we get that's not completely disrupted by everything in the world. Mm -hmm. You know? It's interesting to think of all of this. We've talked about in the last few chapters, especially how a mother's love is such a theme. Yeah. And then coming off of the Mrs. Crouch stuff and how like... "Mm." Yeah, for good and bad, it's a theme. Yeah, Yeah, Just how much they do. Well, Mrs. Crouch and then later on, Draco Malfoy's mom. She's like, I don't care about these dark wizards. Who gives a shit? I'm going to take care of my kid. I'm going to take care of my little demon baby. Yeah. He's a little piece of shit, but also... That's her I child. Get it. Mm-hmm. That's her kid. And then, of course, Harry is literally on the verge of tears. Yeah, and he's and finally he's, given he's finally given himself permission, even mm-hmm. in this moment, because of Mrs. Weasley. Yeah, and I love it. And then, of course, Hermione is like, "I got that bug." Yeah. Yes. <laughs> All right, let's break up this smushiness. It's <laughs> some fun, Mary Kill. Our fuck Mary kill is about healing magic. I have two things and I'm still like, I don't know what the third one is, but since you said that, now I know what the third one is. So the three things are the sleep potion, Fox, and Molly hugging Harry. Do you want me to go first while she does her? Sure, since yeah. Ashley has to do fuck Mary kill. I have to write this down. Yeah. yeah. She has to do it like a freaking crossword puzzle. <laughs> yeah, I'm for real. about crossword puzzles. <laughs> I mean, I feel like Sudoku. my answer is... The, is the correct answer. Okay, well. It's probably not, but it's my correct answer. That's me. all that matters. I decide when you say Molly hugging Harry, it's literally just in general talking about the healing power of hugs, and I'm marrying that. Okay. And I'm gonna fuck Fox. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna burn your ass. <laughs> I guess I gotta kill this sleeping potion, which sounds delightful, but, but the other options are even better. I'm with you on all of those. I match your answers exactly. <laughs> I think I'm also going to match them. Yeah. Now, here's has the this thing. ever happened before? Yeah. I yes, think it everyone? has. I think it has, especially okay. during our 100th episode. Okay. Oh, there was a lot of that. Because <laughs> there were a lot of fun weirdos. But, so I was not prepared to say the thing about hugging. Embracing negative emotions is what I was going to say, because that's something that Dumbledore mentions. But it feels like the more healing thing, if we're going to keep in theme, is Molly hugging Harry. Now, I will say, for me, yes, I'm not very touchy-feely, but sometimes I'm in the mood for hugs, and I have to be in a mood for it. Otherwise, get your hands off of me. Because I want that sleep potion, but something's got to die. And I'm not killing Fox. <laughs> you can't. Right. <gasps> Wait a minute. That's right. I mean, I think you can kill Fox, but he can't die of old age. That's true. Can a phoenix ever permanently die? Probably if you kill it. Like, if you... If you, like, snap its neck. Yeah. Well, there's a Neil Gaiman story about eating a phoenix, and someone who eats it turns into a phoenix. Oh. Oh, so maybe we want to kill Fox. You kill Fox and then eat him. (laughs) You get to be... I just You get to be Fox until someone kills you and eats you. (laughs) That's going to be quite a turkey sandwich. (laughs) Because I want that potion, but Fox is a Gwen. I can't kill Fox. We, at some point, I'm sure, have definitely married Madame Pomfrey and she gonna make you that potion if you need it. Because if she was ever a choice, I know we married her. That's true. But she's not part of this fuck, Mary kill. 
So I would just be like, hey, Pom Pom. Hey, friends. I'm sleepy. All right, let's talk about movie. Or lack thereof. Right, there's not much there. <laughs> One mm-hmm. sentence, right? It's... The Priori Incantata. Yeah, oh my so... God, I did it again. <laughs> it's, so yeah, it's Dumbledore and Harry talking about Priori Incantatum, but it's in Harry's dorm, and it's weird as fuck, and Daniel Radcliffe just looks annoyed the whole time. <laughs> He's probably like, uh, I read the book, and this is not how it goes. So what happens in the next chapter partially happens before this, the whole grieving of Cedric. So it feels like everybody else has moved out. He's just kind of like getting his stuff together. He's the last one there. He's looking out the window, seeing if he can see Madame Maxine and, and Hagrid fucking again in the garden. Unfortunately, he doesn't. So he's really pissed about that. And then Dumble comes in, and he's like, by the way, I'm so sorry that I put you in danger this year. And Harry's like, this year, bitch? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, by the way, this might be important. Like, this thing happened in the graveyard. And Dumble's like, oh, what? Dumble's like, maybe I should have asked him about that before. Like I did in the book. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't like the scene really in the movie, but... Had it been after the, I mean, rightfully so, very abusive interrogation of Barty Crouch Jr., like, (laughs) had that followed it, I would have been like, okay, that makes sense. It's still a terrible scene, but it made more sense there because you made Harry sit through you interrogating this Death Eater but you don't talk about what happened. Yeah. Yeah. There's no closure. So like what happened after that? This whole chapter is about like, I'm not going to let you go back up to the room. You need to rest. And, and you need to be yeah. away from all the other kids yeah. who yeah. are going to want to ask you questions. You don't want to talk right now. Yeah. Yeah. And, and instead, go to your room. Yeah. It's just, it's very strange. Yeah. We get no fudge packer. Which, I mean, fine. I mean, yes and no. It really would have helped set up the next movie. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. I don't think either of you disagree with this. The fifth movie is way better than this movie. (laughs) As far as an attempt at covering the book, because this movie is the worst at attempting to cover the book, and I will fight about that to anyone who disagrees. I don't think you need to fight with anybody who's yeah. on this podcast. Right? And, this and if anyone disagrees, I'm not sure what movies you're watching or books you're reading, but whatever. Yeah, Fudge sucks, but I would have been fine with that being in there. We don't get... There's no sheets with holes, which, by the way, are one of the coolest things from the third movie. <laughs> Give it to us. They stopped giving us things from the past movie when they didn't put Acromantula in the fucking maze, so... Right. They threw out all that. I will always be mad that there's no Sphinx in the movie. Sphinx would have been cool. That would have been so cool. Everybody loves the Sphinx. Everyone wants to fuck the Sphinx. We know. We love the Sphinx. The sexy. To have Snape be like, here's my... Because the whole movie, they're like, we should find things for Alan Rickman to do since we cut everything he would do out of this movie. You know what? Maybe put the things he did back in the movie. Yeah, the whole turning point thing. You had said it too, that this is a turning point in Mm -hmm. the series. It's a turning point sort of for Snape. So that it's, would be good to see. I mean, it's, it's kind of a huge turning point. I, think. Yeah. I don't think you know that until you finish the series, though. No. Yeah. But seeing it in the movie, I think, would have still been like... It would have put that seed in. Because oh, you, what's you he doing? And you, you know. need something. <laughs> Obviously, I think the only reason why people who've never read the books who watch the movies are like, hmm, something about Snape is because it was Alan Rickman. If it had been some other British actor, well-known or not, people would have been like, yeah, he, that guy sucks. He's a rude bit. Dumbledore does say the thing. I think it comes off as very disingenuous. Like, we've got a lot of work to do or something. It's, and here's the thing is that we. I think most people are pro-Richard Harris, anti-Michael Gambon. 
as Dumbledore. I think Michael Gambon has some great moments when he's doing badass shit. Like, I think at the end of the fifth movie, I think he's pretty badass. His acting is pretty solid in the sixth movie. Here would have been a great place for his acting to not suck anymore because we hate him so much for the first part of this movie. Like, come on, director. This is a serious moment. Can you please, like, not just be like, things are changing. I know this is the next chapter. The speech about Cedric is actually fairly good. Yeah, that's true. You know, and you're like, are you the same person? Yeah. <laughs> Very frustrating. Yeah. Bye. Bad movie. <laughs> There's a lot of points. I'm giving or taking points away from basically everybody in this chapter. Because <laughs> everyone's there, and it's like it's a heightened thing. So I'm giving 50 to Harry, Dumbledore, McGonagall, Snape, Molly, and Fox. Because those are the people who really feel major. They stepped up. They're either going through things or they're doing things to kind of help smooth out all the wrinkles in the whole conflict of the chapter. So plus 50 to all of them. Plus 25 to Pomfrey, Sirius, Hermione, Ron, and Bill. We didn't really talk at all about Bill, but they're all there. They're all there to support Harry. Bill is ready to go. Like, mm-hmm. he's ready to do things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And negative 150 to fudge. <laughs> which is quite a lot. I mean, uh, in the last chapter, I took 150 away from Buddy Crouch Jr. and 200 away from Buddy Crouch Sr. Ooh. And I'd go through all of that in depth of why like, I chose to do it like that. For Fudge, first of all, it was very familiar to me based on like politicians nowadays of like yeah. trying to reject reality. Him trying to push all of this aside for his own political agenda. Oh, they donated money. Oh, they'll never read like me after this. <laughs> Bitch, the most evil dude is back, you piece of shit. So it's uncomfortable. <laughs> so uncomfortable. How? He's bad. Bad Fudge. How relative this is to everything. Yeah. So, yeah. Next time we will be doing the last chapter of the book. We finally made it. Woo! Chapter it's 37. the beginning. The beginning. It's not the beginning. It's the end. But Yeah, that's the name of the chapter. The beginning. Oh. Is he, what's he doing? He's got dishwashing gloves on. Dan just sent that to me. Oh, my gosh. Is Dan going to listen to this episode? Probably not, but... That's rude. Yeah. yeah. I, can, I can tell him, too. You're on a famous podcast now. <laughs> yeah, at least 20 people listen to this yeah. podcast. Yes. Oh my God, so many. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you for letting me be so here. here. I had so, so much I'm fun. so glad that you joined us. I'm so glad I finally got to meet you. Yep. You, you drank wine out of my hand. I know, it was delicious. <laughs> I'm still thirsty, Taylor. Guys, I am not sharing that video without people <laughs> paying me lots of money. And maybe you need to put on dishwashing gloves, too. Because <laughs> you're next. Well, hopefully we'll have you back. I would love to yes. come back. Hell, it's going to be fun. Yeah, I'd love to come back for the fifth one sometime. Because reading it as an adult, opposed to when it came out. And being like, Harry's an angsty bitch. And then you read it as an adult. You're, you're like, like, Harry, you need to be an angsty bitch. Right? <laughs> Harry, you are not angsty enough. Yeah. That hindsight, it's fun to readdress that. Yeah. You have some time between it. And you've lived a little. I think that's really interesting. Yeah, for sure. This book's gonna be fucking great. <laughs> Even though Pink Bitch is there. I'm a little nervous. There's gonna be so, so there's gonna be so much Imelda Staunton love yeah. on this yes. podcast well, though. Do you watch The Crown? I don't. I don't, but I know she's she... the final Queen Elizabeth on The Crown coming up. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my oh my so glad you did this. Yes. yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yay! How are we gonna end this? Uh, I don't know. Here's, uh, here's another Harry Potter joke. Ready? 
What did everybody call the author of this series when she went into space? What? what? AstroTurf. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Basic Snitches is recorded and produced by Adam Bowers and Tara Corkery. Edited by me, Adam Bowers. And published by me, Tara Corkery, and available wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening. Please review and rate us five stars on your app of choice. And be sure to share us to all of your other friends who love Harry Potter and getting drunk. Oh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Sometimes I update that. Basic Snitches on Instagram. Also, we have a Facebook page. And email us anything you want to or specifically answers to our questions on our segments. BasicSnitches at gmail.com. But don't send us dick pics, please. That's nasty. But do send us liquor. Thanks. Yeah. Aloha, Mora. Oh, now people can get into your house. They're on their toe. But they don't matter because now you're a water goblin. Bye. Bye.